In George Orwell's 1984, Winston Smith recalls, perhaps it was the time when the atomic bomb had fallen on Colchester. In 1954, we imagine the events which might have led to that catastrophic disaster and then the nightmare that became Big Brother. Previously on 1954. Yesterday at precisely 1300 hours an atomic bomb was dropped on Colchester. The town was completely destroyed and all its inhabitants killed. You won a landslide because people were desperate for change and because they like you. What message does it send if my first action in government is to go cap in hand to Atlantica? Leave the press to me. Meaning? Leave the press briefing to me. I've made it clear that he must on no account announce universal suffrage. So... Any minute now. Episode 2. Suffrage. Come in. Ah, all hail Caesar. Don't you start. Anyway, we all know what happened to him. It's too, Benson. I didn't mean it like that. Never. Sorry. It's been a fairly chaotic couple of days. I think I'm going a bit stir-crazy. But seriously, did you see the Oracle? What were they thinking? I'll have a word. Don't you dare. They'll think the power has gone to my head. From what I saw, it looked more like the return of the prodigal son than the all-conquering hero. Colchester did you proud. They always do. They're my rock. I really couldn't have done it without them. Oh, and you, of course. I wasn't. I know, fishing. you never do. I haven't forgotten my promise, you know. I didn't think you had. Just with the result. I thought you might think it would change things. It didn't. You have my complete trust and support in everything you do. Everything? Of course. I will offer up my opinion, but you are the boss. Someone has to make the big decisions, after all. And take the flack for them when they go wrong. Well, exactly. Which is why we really need to talk about the suffrage question. There's no point skirting around the issue... I know you want to get it done. I really do. I know, but I wouldn't be doing my job as a friend and colleague if I didn't give you my reservations about the matter. I wouldn't expect anything less. Good. Well, we should talk about the Malden Massacre then. Don't scowl. Y you agreed, remember? Always Malden. I said don't scowl. You, you, more than anyone, your family, your history, your place in history, all down to Malden. What rubbish! It's the stick I get beaten with whenever I mention the suffrage question. And for good reason. I'm sorry to bring it up, but if we were really serious about this, we should have placed it in our manifesto before the election. But you saw the advice and agreed with us all. It was a massive vote loser. And that's because of Malden. But the elections changed all that. Didn't you just say that the elections changed nothing? Between us? This result was a vote of trust from the electorate. They believe we can make this country better for everyone. We talked about this in the chestnut tree, remember? All those years ago, it's what we believed in. Or at least it's what we should believe in. A pie-in-the-sky dream, that's what you called it. But who would have predicted what's just happened? Our policies, the ones in the manifesto, Aren't that out of keeping with universal suffrage? People will understand that. If we do it now, we have five years to convince them it can work. 
that Malden can never happen again. Those were the dark ages, a, a different time. We've come a long way since the pitchforks and the barricades. Thousands were killed. Members of your own family, for God's sake. Which is why I'm the person that has to do it. Finally bring this country back together. Look. Down there. At the people walking in the street. From here, don't they all look the same? Yeah, but they're not the same. Intellectually, history has shown that. When it comes to making serious decisions about how the country should be run, we all know what happens when the proles get involved, even before Malden. They're irrational. They react with their hearts, not their heads. It, it's not as if they care. Give them food in their belly, a tankard of ale, and sport on the pub telescreens, even a pretty matinee idol. They're as happy as a pig in shit. I think they would care if they were given the chance. No more them and us. That's what you said. No more them and us. Isn't that just a little bit... Hypocritical, bearing in mind your views on Atlantica. I don't trust Atlantica. I don't trust the proles. At least with Atlantica, we get protection, trade, friends in high places. They're not our friends. They want to be. We're a stepping stone to a larger piece of the pie, a very handy airstrip in the middle of the ocean from which they can spread their sphere of influence even wider. That's not what our people are saying. Look, I'm willing to entertain... I might be wrong about Atlantica, but I do have a funny feeling about it all. Fine. Let's get our people to dig a little deeper, see what they're about. And I'll look into the suffrage question. I would be most grateful. Is this what passes for satire these days? What happened to the cartoon I filed? Close the door if you're going to have one of your rants. Right. Your peace wasn't up to your usual standard. Did you need me to explain it to you again? Carry on with that attitude and you can start looking for a new post. Maybe the Oracle will have me. Even they had a dig at him yesterday. Their front page? That's what we call reporting, Rutherford. It's what journalists do. You're kidding, right? The all-conquering hero. They may just as well have placed him on a horse ahead of a grand army, followed by rows and rows of slaves in chains. Which is just what you did. Rutherford... He is the all-conquering hero after that victory. Even more reason to bring him down a peg or two. That's what we do, isn't it? Keep them in their place, make sure they don't forget who put them there. Maybe we shouldn't be taking a swipe at the most popular man in this country for the last 60 years. It just feels like having a, a pop at your best mate who has just given his last tenner to charity for sick children. No one's that squeaky clean. Well, he looks pretty clean for where I'm standing. And I need to sell newspapers. It's all right for the Oracle or the, the radio broadcast, for that matter. They haven't got a commercial bottom line to hit every month. Or an owner to keep happy. Because that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? I saw him in the morning meeting. It was him that put the kibosh on my cartoon. We all love a satirist and you're one of the best. But just keep away from Ogilvy for the time being. What the hell? Shit, this is censorship, Max. It's being smart. Just find someone else to pillory. How about Mary Brown? The opposition. That's like swapping the best mate who gives to charity for a 90-year-old granny on her last legs. <sighs> Poor old Mary. That would probably sink her for good. Because you're that good. Francis, we need to be seen backing the winning horse. This is bullshit. I'm going to speak to Grace. She'll dig up some dirt on him. She will not. 
No one will. And if they do, they'll be out of a job. Let it go. Things will all blow over soon enough and go back to normal. It always does. Well, I hope you're right, because at the moment, I'm smelling something rather unpleasant. Over here. God, this place hasn't changed. I know, good, isn't it? It's too public for my liking. No one's interested in us. Thanks a lot. That's a good thing. Just let him take centre stage. Lap up the glory, we can get started. Don't get too carried away. He didn't go for it? Still spouting on about universal suffrage. Blast. We need those Atlantica talks. I know, I know, but he's just not budging. He doesn't trust them. I don't trust them. That's precisely why we need to start up the talks yeah, again. Keep your voice down. No one's listening. Everyone listens in the chestnut tree. That's why I stopped coming. What about that old geezer behind the bar? What about him? I don't know the way he's staring at us. Nanny? Oh, it's a long time since you've been here. He's virtually part of the furniture. Manny! Over here! Sir? I'd like you to meet a friend of mine, Manny Goldstein. I know who you are, sir. We're here incognito, Manny. Just two old friends having in all our yesterdays. Very good, sir. Uh, what can I get you? Two coffees. Black. I hope it's improved since my day. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. The coffee's just as filthy as ever, isn't that right, Manny? <laughs> Quite right, sir. How long have you been here? Oh, I couldn't say, sir. A good long time, though. Yes, sir. Always here, rain or shine, watching over us? That's right, sir. Two coffees. Black. See? Harmless. Doesn't know what day of the week it is. I still don't know why we can't do this in my office. Because if we're behind closed doors, people will think we're up to something. But here, we look like we have nothing to hide. Which we don't. Of course we don't. So, I've been thinking about the talks, and I'm wondering whether we couldn't do an October. An October? Remember that problem you had in October? Yes. Although, I'd rather forget about it all. I'm wondering whether we couldn't apply another Roxwell to it. We couldn't do another Roxwell. Obviously, but what if Roxwell was a smallish island across the other side of the world? And do you have an island in mind? Fitzsimmons. That is a long way away. Precisely. Would anyone care? Oh, I think people will care deeply. An incursion on our sovereign territory by the armed forces of Eurasia... Think about it. First Fitzsimmons, then where? Yeah, I hardly think the Eurasians are likely to bother with a tiny outcrop like Fitzsimmons. It would be hard to be certain either way. As you point out, it's a long way, and news travels very slowly. And would it be so far-fetched to think that Eurasia might want to take advantage of our new administration? An inexperienced government which has inherited a failing economy and is having to focus on domestic issues and which is highly unlikely to want to get involved in a far-flung foreign war, even if it could afford one. A country whose relative geopolitical weakness is forcing it to look the other way towards Atlantica for a make-or-break trade deal. Christ almighty, Carl. I'm glad you're on our side. Two coffees. Black. Thank you, Manny. How much of that do you think he heard? What does it matter? He's just a prol. Carl, you know that our dear leader has consigned the phrase just a prol to the dustbin. They are now just as good as we are. Still won't be convinced. And you know how stubborn he can be once he's got a bee in his bonnet. I even brought up Malden. Good, but that's a bit old hat. Won't wash with him after all these years. Yeah, it didn't. 
But not to worry, it occurs to me that now we're dealing with hostile military action, he'll have other things to think about. You'll think he'll abandon it? Oh, absolutely not. But he will be looking for a trusted team to do the legwork. And, of course, you and I have always been firm believers in universal suffrage. While advocating caution over its implementation. And this way, if it all turns to shit, he'll still come out smelling of roses. He can't lose. And neither can we. I think this calls for something stronger. Hang on. Rutherford's just walked in. Oh, what's she doing here? Well, well. If it isn't the two horsemen of the apocalypse. To what does the humble chestnut tree owe the honour of two such distinguished guests? Just two nostalgic private citizens enjoying some filthy coffee for old time's sake. Hello, Francis. Missed your carting this morning. Trying someone new out. Passing the lift back down. <laughs> really? Oh, that's what that was. We wondered. We thought the courier might be taking a leaf out of Bob Ogilvy's book, sweeping away the dead wood. <laughs> Very good, Benson. Enjoy your honeymoon period. It won't last. Ooh, sour grapes, Francis. Not everyone is susceptible to your dear leader's doubtful charms. Just the vast majority of the electorate and, awkwardly, your editor. <laughs> She's never held an opinion she wouldn't drop for the right price. Can't you just give us a moment to bask in our reflective glory? I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to get your knives out in due course. I can't wait. Actually, Francis, would you care to join us? Not particularly. Only if you've got time, of course. I expect it's all hands to the pump at the office, even for a cartoonist. No more than usual. Oh, oh, that's good. <laughs> the cabinet office is in a proper old two and eight. That's why we've come here. It's just a rumour, Benson. I'm sure there's nothing in it. I hope you're right, Carl. Whatever you two are trying, it won't work on me. We're not trying anything, old girl. And if we were, we'd hardly choose a cartoonist. Oh, unnecessary, Carl. My apologies. This Fitzsimmons business has got me all wound up. Carl. It's going to come out sooner or later. It's probably all over the Korean newsroom by now anyway. Look, I'm not falling for it. Why don't the pair of you two just grow up? Don't be like that, Francis. Have a drink with us. Manny, three gins. Right away, sir. No, thank you. I don't think I'll stay. The atmosphere in here doesn't agree with me. <laughs> That's going to drive the old girl nuts. Oh, uh, we'd better get back. I could feel a news blackout coming on. No hurry. Who's going to believe her? Three gins. Oh, our guest had to leave, Manny. Why don't you have the third one? Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Here's to you, Manny Goldstein. Just remember what we spoke about and follow my lead. I don't feel very comfortable about this. We haven't got time. You want the posting, right? You know I do. Then just keep to what we said. Fine. Uh, can you ask Mr Ogilvy whether he's ready for us? He is great. Uh, tell him we'll be right across. Let's do this. Come on in. Great. I've been looking forward to this all morning. I told you not to be smug. doesn't suit you. Professor Adams, I'm a huge fan. A right to vote was my Bible when I was starting out in politics. Thank you, sir. Please call me Bob. Take a seat. Can I get you a coffee? I've just had one with Mr Benson, thank you. How long have you been here? Just going through a few things. You know he hates this idea. He did say. 
I just think it's so important to give everyone a say. Get them to play their part in the rebuilding of this country. Why would they care about anything we do? I wouldn't blame them if they left us out to dry, if they turned their backs on us when we needed to call on them. You really have read my book. It's possible, isn't it? Entirely possible. I would even go as far as saying inevitable. At some point, the proles are going to ask why. Why are they paying for a country they have no say in? Why are they building roads, houses, railways? What's the point of it all? Having a vote is a chance to make your feelings known, to tell the people in power what you think. It automatically gives you a vested interest in politics, in society, in people. It makes you a better citizen. At some point, they're going to ask, why are we not as good as them? It's basic evolution. If we don't do this at some point, we're going to have a revolution on our hands. I mean, that's what you're saying. Potentially, yes. Another Malden massacre. Point made, Bob. So, what do we do now? I'm not sure I follow. How do we bring in universal suffrage? You pass a law that gives everyone the vote? <laughs> of course, but... Sorry. What I meant was, how do we change the law and... How can I put it? Keep everyone happy? <laughs> Make it run smoothly? Mr. Benson has some reservations. I'm sure you discussed them earlier. And I'm just wondering, how do we avoid any potential pitfalls? We're not all that keen on going from heroes to zeros. Indeed. And of course, it's a step into the unknown. There's plenty of historical evidence to suggest that when things like this happen, there is a certain degree of upheaval. And there'll always be some people who don't like change however beneficial it will be to the future of society in the long run. So I was suggesting to Mr Benson earlier about a possible trial. Maybe in the upcoming regional deputies election? A trial? Excellent idea. Mr Benson suggested your hometown of Colchester, especially bearing in mind your recent visit and how well that was received. <laughs> yes, yes. Not that again. Just in Colchester, you wouldn't... Roll it out right across the country? Not at first. If you were going to do a trial, which is what we would advise at the Institute, just to play it completely safe, why not carry it out in the one place you are guaranteed a huge level of support? See how it works there, and then roll it out right across the country afterwards. Once they see how smoothly it's gone, it'll be even harder for your detractors to stop it. <laughs> When it comes to universal suffrage, you're my biggest detractor. I would love it to be a success. I'm just worried it won't be. I wonder if I could be so bold to suggest something else we've been developing at the Thinkers Institute. We're calling it the Welfare Force. The Welfare Force? What's that? Sorry, um, I didn't mention it before, mainly because it's an idea that's really in its infancy at the TI, but it just occurred to me that it might be the perfect solution to really make sure something like universal suffrage goes through. What is it? A sort of uh, town watch from medieval times, made up of good, honest, well-thought-of citizens, both proles and intellectuals, who have the best interests of everyone at heart. They would make sure that there are no disturbances or 
riots, possible demonstrations that might get out of hand. Isn't that what the army does? The army can be perceived as a little heavy-handed at times, aggravate the situation rather than calm it down. Townsfolk generally will not know who the soldiers are, but they'll know members of the welfare force. They'll be neighbours, local business people, they might even be their friends. The proles will be less likely to rise up with a group like that patrolling the streets, and the intellectuals will feel you have their best interests at heart, even with the threat of giving the vote to the lower classes. Interesting. I'm not sure. People might see it as an attack on their freedom. It's precisely the opposite. They will be there to protect freedoms, everyone's freedoms, even their own, to make sure that everyone lives side by side peacefully. There would also be an educational aspect to inform and even cajole the proles into voting. Get them more involved in the political process. How would we recruit them? Handpick them, based on their suitability and their standing within society. Those who are well known to a wide group of people. Factory owners, lawyers, managers, bakers, pub landlords. As broad a group as you can get. I would suggest letting the regional deputies take the lead with the rest of the local council having a right to veto any unsuitable candidates. Could we do that? Mm, practically it's possible, but do we want to trial yet another new idea? I think the welfare force would be a great way to sweeten the pill of universal suffrage for the intellectuals. Persuade them they will be looked after by like-minded people whatever happens. I like it. Benson? Yes, I suppose when you put it like that, it does make sense. I want to give us every chance of making sure this policy goes through as smoothly as possible. And if this is what it takes to make it happen, we should do everything in our power to set this welfare force up. We have good people in Colchester. The best. I'll go down and speak to the regional deputy, the council, uh, and see how long it might take to put together a welfare force like you suggest. They would need training. Oh, of course. Perhaps you could help with that. We could absolutely do that. We have an extensive report on how a welfare force might operate. I could send it to you if you'd like. Send it to Mr Benson. He'll take it forward from here. Thanks once again, Professor Adams. You've been most helpful. Well done. That couldn't have gone any better. His welfare force? Don't you worry, I'll be dealing with that. What if he finds out that the Institute has no such policy? He's too busy being the beloved leader, a father to his people, all his people. You saw that. Now, Professor, don't fret. I wouldn't be at all surprised if your work on universal suffrage will make you the director of the Thinkers Institute in the not-so-distant future, and when that happens, you won't care a jot about the WF. <laughs> Good evening. This is the radio broadcast live from London. Here is the news. Leader Bob Ogilvie proposes new plan to give the electoral vote to all citizens. Two men die in an office fire in Birmingham. The government continues its testing of a new missile system in the Northern Isles. Henry Johnson is named as the new manager of Manchester United. And there are reports of an armed siege taking place on the Fitzsimmon Islands. 
Hello, I'm Erica Blair. Following their landslide victory, the English Socialist Party are moving forward with their proposals to bring in universal suffrage to the entire country. It's an issue the Prime Minister has said he's been passionate about ever since his early days in politics, but critics of the scheme are already warning of the dangers. We caught up with Mr Ogilvy at a special press briefing where he outlined his plans, which will be given a trial at the forthcoming regional deputy elections in his hometown of Colchester. Mr Ogilvy, some are asking why universal suffrage wasn't in your party's manifesto prior to your landslide election, and that if it was, you may not have enjoyed the success that you did. That's why we're trying it out first, to see what people think. We could have easily brought in universal suffrage for the whole country, but we understand this is a big change in our constitution, not just for the proles, but for everyone else as well. I think it's an important time for our country. The election showed that, and we have a lot to do to make things better. I think what I'm saying is, if we want to progress, we need everyone on board. <laughs> but to trial it in Colchester, a bit cynical, don't you think? It's clearly going to go down well there. I don't deny I want it to succeed, to give it the best chance it possibly can. And by bringing it in there, of course, there is a lot of support. Your recent victory parade proved that. I thought you might mention that, yes. It's a place close to my heart, a place that has supported me right from the start. Whenever I have something to sort out in my life, I go back to Colchester. It's my foundation. So introducing something as monumental as universal suffrage, Colchester, for me, was the perfect choice. Thank you, Mr Ogilvy. I'm wondering if we could quickly ask you about the reports of a possible incursion on Fitzsimmons. I haven't been fully briefed myself, but my understanding of the incident is that it's a one-off and already under control by the army garrison that's based there. We've heard that people have been killed and that troops from Eurasia have been seen landing on the beaches. That would be news to me. As I've said before, what information we have on the situation is quite scant, but we are, of, of course, looking into it. Will you be sending in troops? Let's see exactly what is happening in Fitzsimmons before we make any decision. So you wouldn't rule it out? Let's get a proper report. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Mr Ogilvy. Couldn't you have chosen something a little more upmarket? We're supposed to be looking like we're recruiting a band of good, honest citizens. This place is full of proles. We get your sort in here too, you know. You said people who could handle themselves put a bit of stick about. This is where they hang out. What are you calling it again? The Welfare Force. Who thought up that stupid name? What does it even mean? It means we're looking after the welfare of people. Through force? I'm not paying you to think, Pete. I'm paying you to get me some muscle. Yeah, all right, all right. Keep your hair on. Not that you've got much left of it. That's because I have to deal with cretins like you. Just show them in. One at a time. Fine. I'm going. Good morning. Thank you for coming today. Oh. <laughs> I, I see. I'm sorry about this, but could you just wait outside for just one minute? What? She's a woman. And? 
I told you, men who can handle themselves. That's a bit sexist. Anyway, Beck can handle herself all right, and not only that, she knows everyone in this neighbourhood. And most importantly, whether they're up to no good. You want to make sure the pros are in their place? She'll let you know if they step out of line even before they're thinking of stepping out of line. She could tell you a thing or two about the intellectuals we get in as well. Some of them are right pervy old buggers, I'll tell you. Really? Look, stick to the brief. This isn't what the Welfare Force is about. They're supposed to be a larger-than-life group patrolling the streets that people can see in clear and present sight to make sure no one does anything stupid, but most of all, they need to be able to get into a fight if needed. Wouldn't you rather know something's about to kick off before it actually kicks off? That's the kind of thing Beck can help you with. Although I did see her sock one of the regulars last week and he was in hospital for at least a couple of days. I'm just saying I wouldn't want to mess with her. Fine, bring her in. So sorry. Uh, Bet, is it? That's right. You work here in the pub? For the last ten years. Excellent. I suppose you get to know the regulars reasonably well. You could say that. Work behind a bar and you're not just pulling the punch like a bleeding counsellor. Take this bloke, you know him, Pete. Dirty coat, silly fedora. He places that bloody hat on the counter like it's some kind of bleeding crown. No one's allowed to touch the fedora. Blimey, that scrawny little dustman. Remember, Pete? <laughs> Crikey, poor chap. Anyway, turns out his wife left him 20 years ago. Took the kids, all the savings, everything. Know what he was most sad about? The dog. A mangy little mongrel called Kate. I could tell you absolutely everything about that bloody dog. Colour of its eyes, what kind of sausages she likes. They trust you then. Tell me bleeding everything they do. Especially when they've had a jar or two. And not just the pros. Had loads of your lot in when old Ogilvy came back from the parade. I see. Must have been quite a sight. Sodding bum fight, more like. Tell you the truth, and I know he's one of yours. I was glad when it was all over. The reporters, oh, they were the worst. Blimey, they like a drink or two. That they do. One little fella worked for the radio broadcast, I think. Anyway, he's had a few too many gins, and he was going off on one about his boss, Tenny something or other. Uh, Mitchell Tennyson. Yeah, that's the one. Well, he sounds like a right piece of shit to me. You know him? Not really, no. According to this reporter, he's got his fingers in all kinds of pies, cheating on his wife with his secretary, diddling his expenses, proper wheeler-dealer. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you should really keep to yourself, especially if you want to keep your job. But stick a few drinks inside someone, put them in front of a stranger with a bar towel and a smile, and they puke their bleeding soul out here. To be fair to the little lad, I think he quite liked what he saw, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes, I see what you mean. Uh, Very nice. Do you like what you see? (laughs) Uh, uh, Sorry, Bet. (laughs) You're not really my type. Mm, Please yourself. Anyway, there's plenty more gossip if that's what you're after. It's just that Pete was saying you may be able to help some of us out. In what regards? Well, me and my old man were looking at the flats over at the new coal development. We quite like a river view. At the moment, we're right next to the chemical plant, and, well, we've wanted to start a family for a while, and what with all that smoke belching out, be no good for a nipper. Pete said you might... Yes, I may have mentioned that to Pete in passing. I can't promise anything, Bet, but as you've been so forthcoming and helpful, I'll see what I can do. Oh, thank you, sir. And you'll let me know about this welfare army thingy? Uh, Force. The welfare force. Yes, people let you know. 
Thank you, Bets. Hey, told you, she's a keeper. <laughs> Bloody Pete. You'll be the death of me, uh, but yes, very useful. Now, can you send me in some proper muscle who won't mind getting into a fight or two? Nineteen Fifty Four is a packing shed production, written by Patrick Marlowe and Neil Darcy Jones. Playing the various characters are Richard Conrad, Neil Darcy Jones, Grace Dunn, Tim Freeman, Ben Jacobson, Charlotte Luxford, Patrick Marlowe, and Kate Milner. Music is by At Swiffin's Edge, and the series is recorded and edited by Michael Parker, courtesy of Studio Six Music.